talking about what Jesus said about heaven and hell, and I know I certainly am not sure that I'll get through this uh, today. Uh, I'm going to focus and try to stay on point here as much as is possible for me to do. And uh, I want to talk to you this morning about what Jesus said about heaven and hell. And, um, you, you know, sometimes as soon as we hear uh, that someone's going to speak about hell at any length, you know, we kind of, you know, we, we've just kind of become conditioned that the, that can't possibly be a good thing. But you understand the Lord spoke, you know, pretty much, uh, he said a lot about hell. And uh, we're not here to, to you know, you'll, you'll see as this unfolds, the Holy Spirit will help us to navigate those two uh, profound realities, heaven and hell. And there's so much that could be said. Who in the world could ever in just uh, a little Sunday morning service ever speak to any real depth about either of them? But uh, I want to speak a little bit about both as much as I can. In John 5, uh, 28 and 29, Jesus said, Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice. And come forth, those who have done good, to the resurrection of life, and uh, those who have done evil, to the resurrection of condemnation. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14, Jesus said, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. Uh, when we read those scriptures, we, we see some, some very clear um, thoughts that Jesus conveyed to us about the fact that there are two, two resurrections. There's one uh, unto life, and there's one unto judgment. And uh, the fact that, and that's what Jesus said. So uh, the fact that he says it makes it, uh, you know, relevant and trustworthy. And so, you know, every person who leaves this world will be resurrected. And Jesus identifies a resurrection to life and one that is a resurrection unto uh, condemnation. And so as we look at the uh, admonition that Jesus gives, he says uh, that we are to enter through the narrow gate. And, uh, and he says, wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And, you know, the gate simply is a reference to a point of access. And the world will readily make itself available uh, to anyone who is willing to enter whatever portal or gate of conduct and behavior that a person chooses to. Uh, the world will be quite accommodating to you if you're not walking in faith. If you don't walk in relationship with Christ, the world will be very accommodating. It will make it very convenient. It will provide all of the uh, access points that a person needs to have an experience uh, that somehow uh, paints some fantasy in our thinking, some fulfillment or some experience. And every day we decide which kingdom we seek. And today, I ask you, as you, you and I have gathered here, what kingdom are you seeking after today? And uh, when we look around at the people in the world around us and we see our neighbors and our friends, you know, one of the basic things that we know but is so often forgotten is that every person who, who's living is en route 
to one of two places. That's the reality. There's no, you know, I, I, I don't want to, uh, you know, stir anything bad up for somebody, but we don't believe in three places. We don't believe in stages or placements, uh, temporary. Uh, we believe that you live one life, and when you leave this world, you are headed toward one of two places, a place of judgment or a place of eternal life. And so, you know, that really shows us the importance of our witness, Because God's not willing that anyone should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It's God's heart. He's long-suffering toward us all. And so God is not wanting that anyone should die not knowing him. And he's uh, very, very patient. And how many have experienced God's uh, perseverance and patience? How many of you tried to give God a run for, for his money? You know, we ran hard after things, ran hard after the world, and yet the Holy Spirit pursued us and drew us unto the Lord himself. So every day, uh, people are seeking, uh, are, are accessing whatever gate that they choose to experience. And Jesus draws a contrast between uh, the narrow gate and the wide gate. You know, the narrow gate is, uh, you know, Jesus isn't one of many ways, right? He's one, he is the way. He's the only way. If you believe Scripture, you believe that Jesus Christ is the only way. He's not one of many ways or many points of access. He's one. He says, I am the way, right? I am the truth and I am the life. He didn't say I'm one of the ways and one of the truths or one of, you know, one source of life. He said, I am the way. And so it, it, it really brings it into focus for us. There's one of two destinations. And if you look to the scriptures, you understand there's one way of determining which way we go when we leave. You choose the the narrow gate or the wide and easy gate. And really, it might not be one particular act of going through this gate, the wrong gate, you know, because each day people may choose a gate that might not be the best gate. But it is in in totality and finality, it is uh, choosing a path that leads to destruction that will be very accommodating. Uh, It will promise much and deliver nothing. You know, how many know that the way of the world promises much, and really in, the ter- in terms of that which is lasting and really profitable, it offers nothing. There's nothing there. You know, how many know the devil never uh, prom- he never gives you anything good? Never. But he makes it look wonderful. And so when we think about this, we are all free moral agents. And that means that every person on the planet has, uh, chooses which gate they enter and what path they walk. A path is, an, is the, the, uh, the route between one point and another. You know, gate is the access point and the path is the route that one takes. And uh, so, you know, the world is constantly introducing things to those who have not yet made a commitment to the Lord. You know, one of the, the real, real I, I would love to show it. I, I, I watched a video. Somebody had sent me a little clip uh, of, of a pastor that appeared before a school board. And boy, he, he laid it out very, very well. And I would love to uh, let people see that. And he's talking about, uh, you know, the responsibility of uh, the educators who are, uh, are, are in, um, influencing children. And he went as far as to say, many of you are going to have a millstone hung around your necks. Because the scripture says that if we cause one of these little ones to stumble, 
then it would be better for us to have a millstone hung around our necks than to be cast into the sea. And, you know, so why do I say that? I say that because there's all these gates that are set before our children and people in general, but specifically our children, and they're being called and invited to enter through those gates onto the paths that are very easy to access, and they lead to destruction. You know, I've never seen it quite as clearly as I do today when I think about uh, this narrow gate and, and, this, uh, and this narrow path that's difficult. I've never seen it more clearly than I, in my lifetime than I do today. Because if you're going to live for the Lord Jesus, you are going to come under some extreme persecution. You say, well, I haven't experienced that. Well, you need to be out among people who don't know Jesus a little more and interact because that's our mission field. Those are the people that God has given us to love and to reach. And, you know, the spirit of the world's not accommodating to a believer's life. It's antagonistic. It, 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 you know, how many know that Satan absolutely hates all people? Christians, non-Christians, he has no good things in store. But when I think about this, I think of the things that are offered to us today. There's that gate, and everybody in this world is looking for a gate to enter into, onto a path that promises so much. And the church has to be standing at the gate of the kingdom of God. Standing at the kingdom of the path that leads to eternal life. And we need to be encouraging people to come on in. We have to meet people at that point of decision. You know, we have to be where people are. It doesn't help us to sit here on Sundays and to talk about this and to to do nothing when we get out into the world. Amen? Does no good. You know, it doesn't mean a thing to stand here and talk about it. We can preach the greatest sermons and the most challenging truths from God's Word, and yet if we do nothing with it, our neighbors will pass without being introduced to Christ. Our kids will be consumed in their schools because the church is absent from the places and the gates where people are being called and invited in and enticed in. Church, we've got to meet people at the point of decision. And those gates represent a decision. Because every person who enters a gate will either find, each, will either find life or they will find death. Does that matter to you this morning? Does that matter to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ? Because until uh, the gospel finds its way into the neighborhoods and the schools and the communities, much of what we're doing here is the easy path to take while ignoring the real opportunities that God has set in front of us that are connected with what God reveals here. Heaven and hell, in, in the words of Jesus, heaven is the first and best. Amen? Heaven is the first and best. I mean, you know, this is the great thing. You know, I I thank God that we're not living for just the moments here. For anybody that thinks this life can be heaven, (laughs) turn your news on. Get on the highways a little bit. Get out there and meet some people. And you'll find out very quickly that this ain't heaven. But the spirit of heaven does reside in every believer, right? Right? 
the kingdom of the kingdom of God is alive in you, right? How many here have the kingdom of God living inside of you today? And we know that the King of Kings will come back and in his time he will lay claim to all that is his. Remember the devil tried to offer him the kingdoms of the world if he would only, uh, only bow before him. Why would Jesus bow before the devil to get what God has already promised him? You think about it, Jesus, it says in the scriptures in Revelation that the kingdoms of this earth have become the kingdoms of God. There is coming, so Jesus had no need, but Satan will always promise what he doesn't have the authority to deliver. He could deliver the corrupt representation of power and influence in this world, but he could never author what God, the, what God has already given the Son. But as you and I think about heaven, 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 you know, lives and resides, the spirit, the kingdom of God, everything that we do here matters. How we live our lives matters. And whatever time what remains for us on this earth, is to, all that time is to be used and to be given a kingdom focus. Amen? How many men in the church today, Tony Evans wrote a book, Kingdom Men. How many are kingdom men here today? How many don't know what that means? <laughs> Kingdom man's a believer, a follower of Christ who believes that we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. You believe that God wants his kingdom to be first, to be centered. You know, when we think about it, the kingdom of God on earth will be established when Christ comes. But we also understand that the kingdom was introduced when Christ came the first time. And the kingdom of God is revealed through the Holy Spirit who takes up residence within believers' lives. Right? How many of you are full of the Holy Ghost? I'm I'm glad you're not uh, full of pickle juice. (laughs) Um, You know, I know you're not. But, you know, we live with a kingdom focus. We live with kingdom principles. We live with kingdom love. We live in kingdom relationships. We live in kingdom favor because we don't live the way the world lives. We don't live according to the spirit of this world. We don't live according to the, uh, in the manner the, uh, of which the, the one who seeks to usurp the authority of God. We don't live in line with him. He's the prince of the power of the air. He's the God of this age. But you know something, his is an illegitimate, corrupt kingship, uh, rulership, and we don't serve that spirit, right? We're not full of the spirit of the world, we're full of the Holy Spirit. And so as we walk, we walk in kingdom principles. Heaven is a place where equity and honor shall be righteously established. Matthew 5, 3 says, blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 5.10 Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 5.12 Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. For great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You know, let's take a moment here and think about this. In heaven, uh, we will see that the meek don't lose out. And, you know, sometimes we think meekness means uh, timidity and, and just kind of, you know, almost as though it's some type of cowardly, weak disposition. But meekness has nothing to do with being a coward. 
It has everything to do with the strength of God within you that is able to be led and controlled by the Holy Spirit in the face of provocation. You know, it's strength with honor. It's strength with love. It's strength that, it, it, you know, someone said it's like the strong stallion that's trained to do the job instead of running wild. And the meek are those people who shall not be left behind, but in heaven they shall be honored. You know, as I think about that, I also think about the fact that Jesus was meek. When he stood before the authorities and they tried him, he didn't open his mouth, it says. He didn't have to defend himself. Isn't it great to know that you don't have to live your life defending yourself against every provocation that ever comes against you? Because you know who you are in Christ, right? Come on, church. You know who has established you. You know, and we don't run around saying, I'm not perfect, I'm not. We know we're not perfect, but we serve a God who is. And we're filled with the Holy Spirit who is flawless. And so, you know, I think about the fact that heaven is so great that people who have, many people who have been martyred for their faith have have demonstrated extraordinary zeal even at the moment of their death. I'll give you a couple examples. George Roper, uh, uh, you know, he's one of the, if you look in history, one of the uh, martyrs in Canterbury uh, in the 1500s. And it says in this little passage here, it says that he came to the stake. And this was when Protestants were being persecuted and prosecuted by uh, the, the Queen Mary and the, and the Catholic Church. I'm not here to make war with the Catholics today. Amen. <laughs> Oh, he doesn't like the Catholics. He said something about the, no. You you know what I meant, right? It happened. It's fact. I'm not going to try to uh, be politically correct and try to erase history. There have been a lot of things that have happened in the name of Christ on every side that have not been from God, and and there are things that continue today that don't represent Christ. But George Roper came to the stake leaping for joy, and he hugged the stake he was going to be burned at like a friend. Dr. Taylor uh, um, was a gentleman and who was, uh, as he was being persecuted, uh, it says he leapt and danced a little as he came to his execution, uh, saying, and, and this was another martyr during that same period of time, saying, when asked how he was, he said, well, God be praised, good master sheriff, never better, for now I'm almost home, I'm even at my father's house. Uh, Lawrence Sanders, uh, who, was smi- who, who with a smiling face embraced the stake of execution and kissed it, saying, Welcome the cross of Christ. Welcome everlasting life. And there are many hundreds and thousands of people who have died, not with uh, screams of fear, but great confidences that have been bestowed upon them, tremendous peace. Because the connection between heaven and earth for them was, a, was an intimate connection. And there, the transition from this place to the next really wasn't a big leap. And they were excited about it. 
It will be a place where honor is bestowed upon the lowly and the most vulnerable will be uh, brought to a place of security. In Matthew 18, Jesus called a little child to him and he set him in the midst and said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you shall by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. You know, uh, I thank God uh, for ch- uh, childlikeness, you know, not so much childishness. How many know God has not called us to be childish? How many know there's a difference? Childish, childlike. Childish is the kid that throws themselves down on the floor in the store and screams and whines and bawls and you know, the mom and dad look for a, a quiet uh, opportunity to drag them out. <laughs> I, you know, I don't know that, you know, my parents, at the time I grew up, you know, they, they didn't, um, they didn't know, I didn't always make it to the car before I met with, uh, you know, uh, the adjudication, at least at that point. But anyhow, my, I always knew they loved me. They didn't, never abused me at all. And I thank God for that, the fact that they did discipline and show me love at the same time. Some people don't think you can discipline and love. And that's not true because the Bible tells us that God does discipline those he loves. It's erroneous to say that we cannot know anything about heaven. And if I cannot know anything about heaven, then I cannot know anything about hell. That's a falsehood. You know, how many people think, well, talk about going to heaven all the time and they believe that there's nothing substantial about heaven that we can know, and that's not true. There are many things about heaven that we don't know and won't know until we get there, and even as we are there, there will be many mysteries that are beyond us, revealed to us as God feels that we, as he knows that we need to know. You know, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it says in uh, verse um, 9, it says, But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard nor has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Okay, we usually stop reading about there, and that's wrong. How many know you can't do that all the time because you're going to miss context then? And it says in verse 10, how many, well, well, just say two words with me to start, but God. Yeah, right, see, it says, now you read the first verse, it says, I has not seen nor ear heard nor has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. And, you know, we stop there and say, oh, that's all we need to know is we can't know. The Bible says, but God has revealed them to us. Come on, church. How many of you truly believe you're people who receive revelation knowledge from God? That God is a communicator. I thank God for the Bible and the Word of God, but the Holy Spirit continues to to offer commentary into my life to bring new insight and new understanding. How many believe that? Because he knows more than I know. And you can't contain all that God knows within the pages of Scripture. And I'm not saying that there's more that we establish other doctrine outside Scripture. What I am saying is, that how many of you have ever had uh, the Holy Spirit just open your eyes to the deeper meaning of the Word? Aren't you glad for that? The Spirit of truth who guides us into all truth. 
But it says that that God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. How many are glad that God, uh, the Holy Spirit searches it out and he leads us into the deeper things? Come on. How many like to go deeper with God? You know, when I first saw my wife, I wanted to, I wanted to, to go have a deeper relationship with her. The first time I met you. You say, what were you, some kind of perv? No. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, how many of you, the first time you saw your, your soon-to-be wife or husband, you said, yeah, I like, I like. Anybody, nobody liked what you saw? Come on now. Because I tend to believe if you didn't like it then, it probably isn't getting a whole lot better. You know what I mean? When the chest falls into your pants and, uh, you know, all of that. I'm talking about men now. You know, if you didn't like it then, it's not going to get a whole lot better. Let's just say that God gives you a special grace. <laughs> not with you. I know you put up with me. But uh, anyhow, I wanted to know more about her. And I didn't want just a surface knowledge of who she was. You know, how many of you got to a point where you wanted to, to know that person more, more personally than what you did just by casual observation and, and, and conversation? Well, you know, with God, he doesn't want a casual relationship with you. Come on, church. That means he, he wants you to want what he wants, and what he wants is to have a deeper relationship with us so that we get excited about the things that God is doing for us in the heavens that we can't even see, the things that are done invisibly that we would never know are happening without revelation of the Holy Spirit, and knowing that heaven is so much greater than anything that this world will ever afford, and God wants everyone there. And unfortunately, man will choose, and man will choose often another the other course but God wants everyone and if God wants everyone to go to heaven they can that certainly should be our desire how can we be children of God if we don't want everyone to to know Christ and to go to heaven but it says for what Man knows the things of a man except the spirit of man which is in him. Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now, we have received not the spirit of the world. Come on, church. How many will say that when we have not received the spirit of the world? Come on. Renounce that lie. We haven't received the spirit of the world. We're not functioning uh, the way the world does. We're, 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 we are a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation. We're a people who are called out by God. We weren't before, but now we are because God's called us to be a people. And we walk with new insight and understanding from the word. Now we have received the spirit, uh, uh, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely, freely given to us. You know, God wants to liberally reveal himself to all of us. And if he wants to liberally reveal himself to all of us, do we desperately want to know him? You know, how many of you are desperate? I And my wife, I wrote her letters every day. I don't write letters. I'm not a letter writer. I mean, I do write little notes to people. I do it all, text all. I'm the, I'm the, my wife says I'm the text king. And uh, even on your phone. Uh, 
No, I only do that. You know, you have to explain that now uh, sometime, not now though. But, um, but God's a communicator and I want to hear from God. I don't want to I don't want to hear just about God. I want to hear from God. How many want to hear from God? See, there's a world that's lost without Jesus because they've heard about God, but they haven't heard from him through his witnesses. You know, the most powerful sermon that any person will ever see or hear will be the one they see in your life. Because there are a lot of people who don't want to come to church on Sunday because they think it's boring, they think it's irrelevant. And let me just say this, when I say that, we're not going to amp up the entertainment value of church to accommodate that spirit because we believe the Holy Spirit is the best representation of what uh, will draw people. Not what I make, not what you make, not how we do it, but how God does it. kind of forgot where I was at. But you see these scriptures up here. And, that, you know, understand this. Where's heaven today? And I'm not going to get to the, I'm probably not going to, I'm not going to, don't get nervous. Say he's still on heaven. We got, haven't gotten to hell yet. Uh, and some said, well, maybe. But I'm going to tell you, we'll get there. I mean, we'll get to the other part here. And that's going to be powerful. It's not going to be, a, it's not going to be, oh, I feel so terrible. I feel so bad. Oh, he talked about hell today. You know, good pastors don't talk about hell. Well, you know what? Jesus was the best pastor. Heaven, uh, d- d- Jesus re- spoke that his, it referred to the Father in heaven. Over 24 times we are told that the Father is in heaven. Uh, Jesus, when he blessed the uh, fish, the loaves and the fish, he looked up toward heaven. Uh, the Father spoke from heaven uh, to Jesus about Jesus during the baptism and the transfiguration. Man will come from the east and the west into the kingdom of heaven, according to Matthew 8.11. Heaven is a kingdom that will come to earth and will have no end. The, king, uh, the new earth, the new earth. There is a new heavens and a new earth wherein dwells righteousness. The kingdom of heaven will be established on that new earth. Matthew 6.33 says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added. Nevertheless, according to 2 Peter 3.13, we, according to his promise, look for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Let me say, the kingdom of God resides within. The kingdom of God, the, 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 the Lord resides within. His principles reside within. His revelation is given to us within. Uh, his kingdom and its declarations are spoken into and about us uh, as to our relationship with him and, and his declaration, most importantly, of who he is. You know, the, kingdoms, uh, the kingdom rules in your heart today or it doesn't. How many here are kingdom people? Come on, now you're catching on. Kingdom people, you know, we don't march according to the tune of this place. We're kingdom people. We need to walk because we're anticipating uh, the return of Christ. We're anticipating the return of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We're, we're anticipating the return. Until he comes, we are going to uh, witness his name to others. We are going to demonstrate the character of Christ to those who don't know him. The waitress who serves you today, uh, the cook who cooks your food, uh, wherever, whether, uh, you know, if, you know, if it's not your spouse, if you go out to wherever you go, you know, there's a good chance that the people you encounter today will not know Jesus. 
And we can't live a life that expects uh, to be served. We can't live a life of entitlement and really be kingdom people because Jesus showed us what kingdom people were when he washed the disciples' feet. And he said, you do the same thing because if you want to truly be great, then you need to be serving. And until Jesus comes, we need to be on it. How many, how many of you would say it's not, it's not okay if people go to hell? I'll tell you how to break that down. How many would you say it's not okay for our sons and daughters to go to hell? Come on, church. And if it's not okay for them, it's not okay for anybody. Bible says in Revelation 21, I'm almost, you know, it's three of, so if you're wondering. Revelation 21, two through four. Now, and then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and he shall dwell with them and they shall be his people. I love this. I, I share this scripture with a lot of people. Uh, it says, God will be, himself will be with them and will be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. I love that scripture. Because you know something? There are a lot of people who live tragic lives. Their lives are a litany of uh, bad choices, bad decisions, or just tragic things that happen in life. There have been a lot of tears shed, a lot of heartbreak that has been suffered. And you know, the only one who can truly comfort those with any everlasting comfort is Jesus Christ. He's the only one that can do that. So church, we need to be about this. As good as we think heaven is, we want others to know it as well. You ever sing that song, when we all... C-G, now that's what happens when you can't sing, see? Um, (laughs) Yeah. You know, I'm going to tell you this, and I share this sometimes, because it's given me an opportunity to share Jesus with people from all kinds of backgrounds. And, you know, sometimes uh, when we go Sunday afternoons to the, the, what? Yeah, no, but it's called something else. Assisted living. Yeah. Anyhow, there's a reason I'm saying, oh, yeah, I can sing, and it doesn't matter if I miss the words. They don't care. <laughs> they love me. They think, they, they really, they honestly, they think I'm a, a great singer. <laughs> but they don't wear their hearing aids when they come to church either, so. But Robin, they really like Robin. She leads the songs. Little Robin singing the songs. They like, and it makes me sick. You know, when I, when I bring her anywhere, they always like her better than me. <laughs> I see them and they'll say, where's Robin? Hey, what about me? And, uh, well, we like you too, but where's your wife? <laughs> and God shall wipe away every tear. I, t- I, re- I read this to people all the time. Every tear from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for these former things have passed away. I want to excite their spirits about what God has prepared for them. 
and all of us. We do not live out of the trickle of a broken down cistern, but we live in the vibrant, powerful overflow of Holy Spirit current. People want to go to heaven, and yet most believers know very little about it, embracing what we have been told or simply believing what we believe cannot be known. Now, Amy had taught on heaven. I'm sure that was a great class. And in fact, I'm doing that same little study with it to a, in a, in a, in a uh, different way with some of the seniors. You know, because they, and you know what? They, they love heaven. <laughs> and I want to make sure they're ready to go. I tell, I say every time, I say, you know, I don't take for granted anything, but I, I, I will say, if you don't make plans to go to heaven, you're not probably going to go. If you don't make plans to go to heaven, you're, not gonna, you're probably not going to go. And what do you mean by that? Well, to make a plan, you have to have a way of getting there. And your plan is you come to Jesus and get your, get your, get your, uh, your, your uh, ticket through him. He's the only way you're going to get there. Not going to get there because you went to church. Not going to get there because you've been baptized. Not going to get there because you've been catechized. You're only going to get there because you know Jesus as your personal Savior. So in order for that to happen, you've got to renounce the world and accept Christ. You know, sometimes people say, I don't believe in conversion uh, uh, theology. You know, I'm going to tell you just very simple. um, I don't care. I do. Repent and be baptized. That's what Jesus said. or That's what the, the New Testament church said, right? That's what John the Baptist said. I'm not being smart, but when people say they don't believe in conversion, anything that suggests that we can get to heaven some other way is a lie. It's a lie. You know, if you and I could work our way into heaven apart from Christ, then when his, his, his advent and his death upon the cross and his resurrection, all of that stuff was just a, a nice waste of time. Because we could get there on our own. Thank you for the gesture, Lord, but we can make it on our own. We can't make it on our own. No man's going to heaven. No woman's going to heaven apart from the grace of God and the shed blood of Christ and by a personal saving faith in him. Nobody. Jesus said, except that you be born again, you cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now, that doesn't make us elite, but we are part of the elect. How many know that? And we say, well, I'm in the elite. Now, we're not better than anybody else. But we are elect in Christ. Well, I'm going to ask Tammy to come. I didn't get, I don't even know how far I got. I'll be honest with you. I prepared 32 pages of notes. <laughs> you say, God help us. I didn't know he was going to give us, uh, an, uh, you know, uh, give us an example of, Well, anyhow, heaven is a place. It is a kingdom. It is up there, and it is introduced to the world through the incarnation of Christ and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Heaven is the dwelling place of God. And if the Spirit of the Lord that dwells in heaven dwells in the life of a believer, then we are, as Tammy said, uh, I think, Friday night at the worship time, uh, that, you know, we are temples of the Holy Spirit. How many are temples of the Holy Spirit? You know you are, right? Because God's Word says you are. God's Word says that you and I are temples of the Holy Spirit. And don't you think if the Holy Spirit is in you, He's going to give you some uh, insight into what God is preparing for us? 
exciting your heart. People say, you're so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. People used to say that a lot. I gotta tell you, I believe today it's the other way around. Most people are too earthly minded and no heavenly good because we're so fixated on the natural, temporal, material, all of this stuff that we're gonna leave behind to give thought to the fact that the people we meet every day are on their way either to heaven or to hell. Those who have died have gone to be with the Lord. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. These are the promises afforded to believers. 1 Corinthians 15, 42 through 44. So also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. 1 Corinthians 15, 53, it says, For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. Can you give that an amen? Death is swallowed up in victory. Every loved one that you have who has been a child of God, you can declare this every time you remember the life they've lived. And you can say, death is swallowed up in victory. And you can ask, uh, you can ask the provocative question, Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? And we already know Jesus took it away. I'm going to ask you to stand with me if you would. And Heaven is a brilliant place. The activities that take place in heaven this morning, our morning, eternity, it's timeless eternity. But you think about it, whatever the praises are that are being offered before the Lord today, we should be a reflection of the praise that's being offered around the throne of God. You say, we can't do that here. And that's absolutely not true. Because the Holy Spirit here is the Holy Spirit there. The Christ there is the Christ here. The God there is the God here. The saving grace that is revealed in heaven to those who have been redeemed is the grace of God that has redeemed us here. So our praises and our worship should be just like it is in heaven. You know, you say, well, we can't because God's not here. That's not true. Jesus said, where two or more are gathered in my name, I'm there. It says he inhabits the praises of his people. Come on, people. God inhabits. He dwells in the praises of his people. One day we will see face to face. We will Faith will become sight. But you know something? God is, is real here as he is there. And that revelation that we'll have when we see him face to face, when we are ushered into the presence of God, will be like nothing we've ever experienced on this side of eternity. But you know, every day God gives his elect a taste of heaven. A taste of heaven. The world's saying, when you watch the news, you realize this is hell on earth. I, wanna, I don't know about any of that, but I want to tell you, the world needs to see what heaven looks like on earth. And when I say that, they need to see Christ in us. They need to see love that forgives. They need to see believers who depend upon the grace of God each and every day. 
people who are approachable, people who are loving and kind and, and people who, when they're wrong, they know to apologize. And, and when they have been wrong, they know to forgive. Our friends, our families, our neighbors, our co-workers, they need to see what the kingdom of God is really all about. As we, we go to prayer here this morning, I want to just remind you that Jesus referenced that heaven was as a treasure and the pearl of great price. Heaven is where God resides and it is where truth resides. It is where the throne of God is established. The spirit of heaven has come and heaven is not, uh, is not an exile to escape hell. It is a promise of joy unspeakable. It is a kingdom that lives within the heart of every believer. Heaven is not a mere upgrade. It is the incomparable dwelling of God with his people. This morning, I ask you, you know, I, I want to say that we, we, you know, I've come to a place where in my life I'm, I'm, I'm kind of positioned at times around uh, groupings of people who, who uh, some of them die every week, every week gone, leaving this world. And it just has reminded me uh, that no matter how long you live in this world, whether it's in Littlestown or Tawnytown, Westminster, wherever it might be, big city, small town, back alley, country, wherever, people are passing from this world. And as we today we look at that, we just say, God, give me a sense of urgency. Give me a, a sense uh, of what Nehemiah had when he heard the report that uh, Jerusalem's walls remained in ruins and the enemy could still very much pillage and access the city. He wept and he mourned for days. He came before uh, the Lord. He withdrew to the Lord and God, as we know, gave him favor with the king and God gave him, called him and gave him favor to do a great thing. And I just say today, we rejoice toward heaven, but you know, we don't want to go there and leave people behind. God, I pray that every time we, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to let God imprint this on your mind right, right here. Don't receive anything that isn't from God, but I want you to, to hear, let this be imprinted into your thinking. Holy Spirit, imprint this into our thinking. That every time you see another person, you see someone who's valuable to God. And God says that we need to honor them and value them as God's creation. Marred and broken as the image of Christ has been in each life apart uh, from him. God still loves the broken mess. God still loves the soul and the spirit of the, those who are lost. 
Jesus looked over the city of Jerusalem and he, knowing what would take place in short order, he wept over the city with a longing heart to draw them in. God, don't let us become enemies and adversaries. And Lord, help us never to become prosecutors of those who don't know Christ. But Lord, let us be, Lord, those who are serving an ambassadorship, making the plea of God to those who don't know Christ. Loving them as Jesus loved. And Lord, if we can't do that, we pray uh, in our natural mind and way, Lord, we just offer you our hearts. Lord, stretch our hearts, Lord God. Make, give us, uh, help us to have more room in our minds and our hearts and lives for those who don't know the Lord. But I pray that it'll be imprinted on each mind that when, when and I say this because a, a lot of believers will go somewhere to eat often, but, you know, Sunday, one of those days. And there's gonna be a waitress or a waiter. There's gonna be somebody who waits on you And they're going to have value beyond the moment they serve us. God wants them to know him. And I'm going to invite you to do something. Some of you do this. And and if you have the opportunity to ask a waiter or a waitress, is there something, we're going to pray for our meal. And is there something that we might pray for you about or with? I'm going to tell you, I've seen that many times when I've been with people who have done this. And, you know, I found that the opportunity is just amazing. We've had waiters and waitresses standing at the table with tears running down their faces. Because their lives were a broken mess. And the only value they had to most people was waiting on them. And they weren't, they weren't valued if they didn't do it well. And as we pray this morning, God, we receive a greater anointing upon our lives than we have allowed ourselves to host. Lord, we have opened our hearts and our minds to you, knowing that those who don't know Christ, Lord God, you love them every bit as much as you love any of us. And Lord, it's your yearning desire that they should know you. And you gave us the power to be your witnesses. We have no excuse, Lord God. You've given us the example. You've given us the message. You've changed our hearts to host the messaging of God, to serve you. You've given us the Holy Spirit, boldness. Lord, we have no excuses. Because everything that we've been called to do, we've been given the ability through the Holy Spirit and the mandate of God's word to do. We can't catch any fish if our nets aren't in the water. And sometimes even when we throw nets in the water, we're not catching anything because there's tears in the nets and we haven't prayerfully fixed it. Lord, we pray for those in the east, the west, the north, and the south that every one of them would know that they are loved that they're important, they're valuable, they have meaning, and it's not okay that they live and they die not knowing that there's something much, much better. Lord, I pray for a Holy Spirit outpouring upon Bethel like we have never experienced, Lord. 
Lord, that if we, if the Holy Spirit seeks to make fools of us before the world for the sake of Christ, we, em, we embrace that calling. And Lord, we want you to live in us and through us that we might see that heaven is a blessing and it's not an upgrade, it is a promise of a place without pain or sorrow and not only a a place that is absent the negative, but it's full of the good. And most importantly, God dwells with us and we with God. Hallelujah. Can you just give the Lord just your praise? As he, 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 Jesus said that he's preparing a place for you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah, Father. Thank you. Hallelujah. Tammy, you want to lead us in Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. We're just going to thank Jesus for his blood to make all this possible. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. Thank you.
close here in just a moment, but we would be remiss if we didn't say that if you're here and you don't know Christ as your Savior, you know, you have, you have decision to make. All of us do. There's that easy little wide gate that's very accommodating and you could call it a multi-lane highway that so many are traveling down at breakneck speed. And at the end of that road of false promise, it ends in destruction. And then there's that singular way that doesn't look quite as wide, nearly as wide, and its route seems a little more windy or a little more challenging. But at that gate, there's a difference. There's a Savior standing at that gate. And he's holding his hands out, you know. And, uh, you know, I... I love the uh, Casting Crown song, you know, about scars in heaven. And I believe that too, that there will be scars in heaven, but they won't be ours. That those scars are going to be on the hands and the feet of a Savior who was pierced for our sinful transgressions. And he went to that cross and he died for us. And, you know, I believe he stands at that gate and he says, the world tells you it loves you. But let me show you how much God loves you. And he extends those scarred hands. He shows those scarred feet and the pierced side and the scars upon his brow. And he says, I love you this much. This is how much I care for you. I gave everything my father gave me and I willingly accepted the call to go to the cross for you. And I laid down my life so that you could have a life of abundance and peace and joy. That you would have no sinful torment in your life that rolls over you because I will forgive you and I will set you free. And I will pray that as the Father places his Holy Spirit, allows his Holy Spirit to come into your heart and all of the things that we try to change from the outside, he will make you new on the inside. And your life will never be the same again because you will have been forgiven through the blood I've shed and you will be filled by the spirit of peace and truth and joy. So if you're here today, you know, It's not about how good you are. It's not about how many churches you've gone to or how many rituals you've gone through. And the rituals are not all bad. Some of them are very, very important. But I want you to know that none will save you. You have to have a personal relationship with Christ. Lord God, we pray together with all of those who may be in this room today who will say, I've been in churches, I've heard about God. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not wanting to hear, I mean, I'm not wanting for the lack of hearing about God. I'm not wanting because I've never been in church before, but I'm wanting because I've never had a personal life-changing experience with Christ. And Lord God, All of us have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is everlasting life. And Lord, as a sinner, I ask your forgiveness 
I lay aside that sin and that path. Lord God, I choose this path today because you love me and you're going to walk with me down that path. I receive your forgiveness. I receive the Holy Spirit into my heart to to make me a new person, a new man or a new woman in Christ, a new child, a new team, whoever we are. He will make us new, and I receive that in its fullness, and I give you my life, and I receive from you salvation, redemption, transformation, and great hope. And in Christ's name, I believe, as I believe in my heart and confess with our mouth, the Lord Jesus, that he died and was raised for me. I know I am saved. I receive that. If you prayed that prayer, I want to encourage you, please let us know. Please, if you're uh, here or outside this building and you, you have prayed a prayer of giving Christ your heart, you need to share that with someone so that they can encourage you, walk alongside of you, and uh, give you some helpful input in your life as to how to grow in your faith with the Lord. So as we leave here today, I want to encourage all of our visitors, all of folks who have been here, say a year or less, maybe you're new today, you're certainly welcome. There's a little lunch provided for you and some get acquainted folks. And uh, please, uh, it's right in the atrium. Go out this door, turn left, and make another left. And you'll be in there with uh, a lot of people. Not a lot, but some people that want to meet with you. God bless you. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find us online at BethelAG.com or on Facebook at Bethel Assembly of God, Littlestown, Pennsylvania. Our services are also live streamed every Sunday on our YouTube channel, Bethel AG, Littlestown, Pennsylvania.